Lomen est omen. The name you give somebody is ominous. In my own case, I verified it. God has been gracious to me. And I have been a, a source of grace to people, grace of God to people. The other name is the one that my people gave to me, the indigenous name, Okoro. Okoro means a handsome young man. And so I go to the mirror and look, I look at myself. And I'm surprised that I'm also handsome. Then I say to myself, when people admire me, that it is not my fault that I'm handsome. So, it is a gift. Why knowledge matters. Welcome, I'm Yannick, your host, and now joining me, Father Professor Ekpulefu. Father Ekpulefu John Okoro is an African dogmatic theologian from Nigeria for more than 30 years at the Pontifica Universitas Urbaniana di Can City and founder of the congregation Christ Emmanuel and ex-students of the Westfalische Wilhelms Universität Katholische Theologische Fakultät Ökonomisches Institut Münster. Welcome Father and Professor Ekpulefu, it's such a pleasure to have you here on the show. Welcome. Thank you. Let's dive into the topic first and foremost, your identity of yourself and the point of view of what you have received from others. So let's start first with your name and place of birth. And then let's move to the primary and secondary school education, and then to your philosophical and theological formation as tertiary education. Thank you. I like the structure of this interview because every man has received something when he entered this world. I too have received. Every man who has entered this world has a mission. At the end of the mission, the one has to go back to the Creator. So within that mission, the one has to deliver something, give what he came with from the Creator. So there's a, a taking and giving that characterizes the remaining of man on earth for the number of years or days or months. In my own case, I've received a name. I didn't give myself the name John. I didn't give myself Okoro. I've received parents. I, I was not born from Big Bang. I was born by um, two human persons one of which is my father, the other my mother. And the name they gave me is John. They gave me John the Evangelist, the beloved apostle, during my second bath, which is called baptism. But during my first bath, 
they gave me the Igbo name Okoro. These two names are complementary to one another. They are coherent. John means God is gracious. And that name has accompanied me. I've experienced the graciousness of God all through. Because they say names are omen. Nomen est omen. The name you give somebody is ominous. In my own case, I verified it. God has been gracious to me. And I have been a, a source of grace to people, grace of God to people. The other name is the one that my people gave to me, the indigenous name, Okoro. Okoro means a handsome young man. And so I go to the mirror and look, I look at myself. And I'm surprised that I'm also handsome. Then I say to myself, when people admire me, that it is not my fault that I'm handsome. So it is a gift. The next is then the place I am born is also given to me. I didn't choose it. It pleased the God Almighty that I be born this part of the planet Earth, in this continent, Africa, and in this country, Nigeria, and in the southeastern part of Nigeria, in Igbo land, and still within Igbo land, in the Ngwa district. So I come then from Abia State, which Nigerians call God's own state. So everything around me is sounding God, 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 God. And no wonder I found myself developing as a theologian, very God attentive. And no wonder I found myself a servant of God. And no wonder I found myself a priest. And no wonder I found myself a protagonist of priesthood. That is the generation and the formation of young men in the Catholic Church who have come to mediate between God and humans at the model of Jesus Christ. So right from these two names, the graciousness of God, the handsomeness of a young man, as we heard today about David, very handsome in the reading of today, and a servant of God. I find myself a priori inserted in the ocean that is God, immersed in God. These two names as what I got from people, lay foundation for why I came into the world. And what is still important, salvation comes from the East. I find myself in this, the Eastern part of this place, bringing means 
of salvation for the people in this path. But since it is all about God and salvation of human beings as my mission in the world, and salvation is universal, I am then not surprised that I am produced here, but exported far beyond the national boundaries of Nigeria, found beyond the frontiers of Africa, and I landed in Europe. I was therefore born here and brought up here. But since my mission goes beyond Africa, it pleased God also that I be formed not only in Africa, but also in the West, in Europe. All that I didn't know when I entered the world, it gradually got to folded till I was brought to the center of Christianity, Rome, to teach, and to teach as many years as Jesus lived in this world, for 33 years, and they go on pension. With this, I have marked what I got from human beings both name and place of my birth and my education. I, 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 was, I received my education, both the primary and the secondary and the tertiary, fully, the primary and the secondary fully in Africa, the tertiary partly in Africa and partly in Europe. And uh, it was divine design since the addressees of my work would not be only Africans, but also people from the West. God gave me opportunity then to render service by positioning me in Rome to render service not only to Africans and not only to the West but also to people who come from Asia. And I find myself getting a universal good luck of serving people from different continents without exception, North and South America, Oceania, Asia, Europe, Africa, by teaching the faith in God, the faith in Jesus Christ, who has the universal mission for salvation for everybody and uh, for the knowledge of the full truth. I am so glad and I feel very realized that my coming into this planet with an immense uh, work to do um, is every other thing than failure. I'm very, very glad about that. And uh, to finish what I got from people and had to give back the idea, as Psalm 99 said, that a man's 
number of years in this planet would be nine, would be 70 years. I found myself counted among those who have lived up to that number of years. And then some supplementary years. I'm heading now to 74 years of age. And what has happened within this time is a thing to glorify God for, thank Him. And therefore, I am ready to return. If I'm called to return, leave this planet and come back to God. I feel it was a successful outing coming into this planet. I felt loved by people, loved by men and women, children and adults. I was a desired person. I feel that I also loved people. I loved without discrimination, both children and adults, men and women. Men, people of different continents. I didn't discriminate against anybody. I was imitating Jesus. And it's this imitation of Jesus that was my method of living these years. That is my summary. I received name and the parents that marked for me very easily the parameters of what I've come into the world to do. Right from the nomenclature. Even the name they gave me, Okoro, a young man, maybe also a handsome one. I've seen that though I am 70, I'm looking much younger than my age. The clock of my old age is ticking too very slowly because of the vastness of the work given to me. I needed to maintain my youthfulness in order to move the youth because the youth may, may have refused me if I looked old, older than my age. They will not have followed me. So that's my summary. It is all about God and salvation of human beings as my mission in the world. And salvation is universal. I am then not surprised that I am produced here, but exported far beyond the national boundaries of Nigeria, far beyond the frontiers of Africa, and I landed in Europe. I was therefore born here and brought up here. But since my mission goes beyond Africa, it pleased God also that I be formed not only in Africa, but also in the West, in Europe. All that I didn't know when I entered the world, it gradually got to folded till I was brought to the center of Christianity, Rome, to teach and to teach as many years as Jesus lived in this world for 33 years and they go on pension. 
with this, I have marked what I got from human beings, both name and place of my birth and my education. I, 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 was, I received my education, both the primary and the secondary and the tertiary, fully, the primary and the secondary fully in Africa, the tertiary partly in Africa and partly in Europe. And uh, it was divine design since the addressees of my work would not be only Africans, but also people from the West. God gave me opportunity then to render service by positioning me in Rome to render service not only to Africans and not only to the West, but also to people who come from Asia. And I find myself getting a universal good luck of serving people from different continents without exception, North and South America, Oceania, Asia, Europe, Africa, by teaching the faith in God, the faith in Jesus Christ, who has the universal mission for salvation for everybody and uh, for the knowledge of the full truth. I am so glad and I feel very realized that my coming into this planet with an immense uh, work to do um, is every other thing than failure. I'm very, very glad about that. And to finish what I got from people and I had to give back the idea, as Psalm 99 said, that a man's number of years in this planet will be, nine, will be 70 years. I found myself counted among those who have lived up to that number of years. And then some supplementary years. I'm heading now to 74 years of age. And what has happened within this time is a thing to glorify God for, thank Him. And therefore, I am ready to return. If I'm called to return, leave this planet and come back to God. I feel it was a successful outing coming into this planet. I felt loved by people, loved by men and women children and adults. I was a desired person. I feel that I also loved people. I loved without discrimination, both children and adults, men and women. Men, people of different continents. I didn't discriminate against anybody. I was imitating Jesus. And it's this imitation of Jesus 
That was my method of living these years. That is my summary. I received name and parents that marked for me very easily the parameters of what I have come into the world to do. Right from the nomenclature. Even the name they gave me, Okoro, a young man, maybe also a handsome one. I've seen that though I am 70, I'm looking much younger than my age. The clock of my old age is ticking too very slowly because of the vastness of the work given to me. I needed to maintain my youthfulness in order to move the youth because the youth may, may have refused me if I looked old, older than my age. They will not have followed me. So that's my summary. That is wonderful, Father. And just to track a little bit back to your youth, were there any indicators that you become such a great theologian the and a man now. of faith? What were some of the indications when you were a child? Were you always curious? Were you always looking up to the sky? What were some of the indicators that pointed? That's right. Uh, you have struck a point. That was curiosity. Curiosity was at the back of my daring. I dared many things in life. I never shied away. Because I was very curious. With regard to faith, we were little children here. My parents were illiterates. The missionaries came here. We were fascinated because they were looking different from us blacks. And they were speaking a language we didn't know. We would not understand it. We can't write it. So what the missionaries did was to pick us small boys and teach us English and teach us the faith in Jesus. Then we go home and teach our parents. We taught our parents since they, don't, they didn't know how to read or write. We told them what is in the Bible as we learned it in English from the missionaries. It is not like today when the parents train the children. We taught our parents about Jesus. So they heard of Jesus. They knew of Jesus from hearsay. And ourselves also from hearsay. We never met Jesus. The missionaries also know of Jesus from hearsay. Jesus had gone back 2,000 years earlier. Neither the missionaries nor ourselves saw Jesus. So we did not behave like Thomas Didymus. Let's try this. Didymus, with regard to faith, who said unless he saw with his eyes and he put his finger 
in the sore, the wound that he would not believe. So when you speak of faith, our faith began with believing that there is such a person that entered this world, lived 33 years, and went back to heaven. We never saw him. And that's where it becomes faith. That's how to believe what you don't see. Since faith, our faith in Jesus began. Now I tell you how this faith is not just a living faith is lively, is a living thing. It's not dead. But all living things grow. So our faith grew. Beginning from our hearing that I was such a person who went about doing good, multiplying bread, healing the sick, converting water into wine. And so we were interested in knowing such a person, especially ourselves, children. When we heard he could multiply bread and that he went about blessing young children, little children. So our curiosity arose to see him. But the catechist told us that he had gone back to heaven since, even before the missionaries came, that Jesus had left. Then the catechist saw how we were disappointed that we are born much, much later than Jesus had come and gone. Then he consoled a new teaching. That Jesus is God. And that God is everywhere. And since he has gone to heaven and is everywhere, that he is still on earth. Then our curiosity began again. Where on earth is he? The catechist told us that he is in the sacred bread. The Eucharist. We were wondering how can somebody who was doing big miracle be squeezed in little bread? The cat case was stuck. He didn't know how to explain it to us. But our curiosity continued. We were both frustrated because our parents, who are our teachers, from back, they, they knew nothing about Jesus. The catechist was at home. Then, the catechist himself had problem with the English language. And the missionaries themselves had the effect. They couldn't speak our language. So, we were stuck. Until the Holy Spirit himself came in and added more intelligence in us little children and added more insight to the missionaries, to explain the mystery of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. We are told that you will not see him with the eye, the natural eyes, but with the heart. That blessed are the pure in spirit, they will see God. So we embarked on not harboring any rancor in our hearts as children. 
in order that we can see Jesus. Because there was much enmity among people. There was, it was a pagan background. People poisoning the others. Enmity. And it was a challenge we had as children of that first generation of missionaries between our illiterate parents and the uh, missionaries that were incapable of learning our language to talk to us. So the, the burden was on us children. Today, you call it child abuse. Putting the load on our shoulders to do the work that our parents should have done, teaching us, but they're incapable. To do the work that the missionaries should have done, but incapable. It was the Holy Spirit that came in and reinforced more understanding as we confess in his gifts, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, fortitude, fear of the Lord, and piety. And truly, truly, this was the source of our coming out of that traffic, the hold up, the square mile of the incapacity of our parents to know Jesus from reading, reading the Bible. They could not at all because they ne never went to school. And the incapacity of the missionaries to speak their language. Even after 30 years, the missionaries were here. They were not able to recite the Hail Mary in our mother tongue. Talk less of preaching. We suffered little children that time. If it is today, they will be impeached of child abuse. Because the imposed task arising from their incapacities, our parents and the missionaries. But I tell you, the protagonist of the missions of evangelization, that's the Holy Spirit. And we later on realized it was his own neck that we were able to help the missionaries in tapping for them when they preach. They taught us English. And so now we were able to build bridge between them and our, our parents. And this bridge building, this pontifical work, is the foundation of our priesthood. The mediating between the missionaries and our, our, our parents. That's where our common priesthood began. And it was automatic that the same Holy Spirit woke up in us, the desire to do this our whole life long, to be priests forever. That means mediators between the message of God and the human addresses. And that define the priesthood those from my generation. We had no other work to do than the first missionaries to far distant places and the their homily, their sermon to the elite masses. And when then the Holy Spirit gave us uh, to be there as mediators, 
namely priestly vocation. He went a step forward to raise some of us to shepherds. And the war came here, and the missionaries were expelled. We had no foreign, no foreign priests around after the Biafra. And so now, the same Holy Spirit, speed, increased vocations, and then impregnated spirit for us to give back to future priests. And it happened now that I'm one of those impregnated. We have here in Nigeria over 165,000 But we do not have 165 founders. It would have been 1,000 priests, one founder. So the ratio is 1,000 priests, a founder. We are not many. And all this is the Holy Spirit's own doing. In Nigeria, we are not up to two dozen, twenty-four priests. But Nigeria has so many priests. He, the same Holy Spirit, gave vocation to missionary priesthood. That our, our priests in this part of the world are not all or local consumption. And it is in this context that you can understand my ending of this chapter about the development of faith from believing whom we never saw to being his instrument of mediating his work to human beings. So then, acting in his person and giving birth more multiplying not now multiplying in an environment like uh, in 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 germany where i'm brought up it not like the where i'm working now where there is no vocation not because the priests are expelled but because there's lack of faith. Nobody is expelling the priests in the West. But there is lack of vocations because of lack of faith. And since that faith is not growing, it cannot come from the property of a living being after growth is Self-reproduction. So you don't find it. We have a meeting. We have had a meeting in Rome of the living founders. I tell you, in my 73 years old age, years of age, it is almost a thing of worry. The, the nearer the nearest founder by age to me. Um, I can tell you, it's 80, 80 years old. Nothing is happening anymore because they abandoned the faith. A lot is happening over here because faith is flourishing. 
The only problem we have here is the competition of faith, the Islamic faith, the non-Catholic but Christian faith, and the Catholic faith. Because, because not all uh, Christians are Catholics. They would not believe in that Eucharist, which was our own point of departure to Jesus, who is in the Eucharist. And to hear the theology that there, even in the minute particle of the host, as long as it's God and God is omnipresent, that means present in all places, in all, at all times, at the same time. Attribute of God is the key to solve the dilemma, the paradox. Jesus, a figure like that, entered this world, did so much good and left. And then we were asking whether he did not like us. Why he came when we were not born? To take care of the sick of today. Why he take care of the poor of today? The time come at that time and vanish at the age of 33. Later on, we have had the answer. He is God. He is everywhere, omnipresent, in heaven and on earth. And in fact, in every particle of his creature. Only, but that is substantially present on the Eucharist. Jesus is in Africa. Jesus is in Africa. Jesus is in um, uh, Asia. At the same time, at all times. If he is in America, he is in New York, a city in, uh, uh, in, in the United States. He's in Canada. But the only place you can touch him and eat him is the Eucharist. But the Eucharist is too small. A little bread, yes. How can it accommodate such a majestic, a majestic figure, a powerful figure? How can he squeeze himself? We were asking those days, like curiosity, the vocabulary, the curiosity and the health. Faith nurtures itself in curiosity, not in doubt. That is the mistake of the West. Faith goes together with curiosity, but not with doubt. So, uh, so I complimented you that you use the right word when you are formulating the question. We were curious and have remained curious today. Just like the Westerners are curious about the planets, the planets. That's why they are wonderful cosmologists. But we are curious about Jesus Christ in the blessed Eucharist. This is that our is background. Beautiful. That is beautiful, Father. And I, I, I am really impressed about your passion and just the impact you make for the world. 
Now let's move to what you have given to the church, the society, and humanity. Can you hear me? Um, with okay. Is it better now? Yes. Very good. So let's move on now about what you have given to the church, the society, and humanity of the present and future generation through your five like professional identity as a teacher, thinker, theologian, priest, and founder of a priestly religious congregation, the Congregation of Christ the Emmanuel. It was just um, indicated in my process of delineating the background of my development as a believer. It was delineating my background as somebody who received a that was programmatic about graciousness of God to a young man, given grace to do something for God for the number of years that only God knows. And about my happiness that I'm I feel I have done it within the 70, first 70 years. And then what helped me to do it was the education I got, partly from Africans and partly from beyond Africa. And then following your second question, that what helped me was curiosity and fortitude incited by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I, I call myself somebody with whom God is, somebody similar to Jesus, because it is written in the Acts of the Apostle. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. And because God was with him, Jesus went about doing good and curing those who were under the power of the evil one. The power of the evil one is imprisonment in ignorance. The imprisonment in slavery. Slavery. Imprisonment in wickedness. Imprisonment in the obstinacy to obey God. Jesus liberated human beings from that. These were ingredients of the formation I got. I was formed here, not the scholastic formation from outside my family, but moral formation was given to me in my family. It's my mother who inculcated in me the virtue of virginity. My mother continued saying it always and told us how unbeatable this virtue is. And it was because she was a virgin that my father loved her. This is a very important virtue for priesthood. 
even at that time, I had not known I'd be a priest. So they deserve to be a virgin because of what my mother said. That made me also put applications for admission into the junior seminary dedicated to Immaculate Conception. I was brought up in a junior seminary named by that. And when we reached there, the main book used was called Imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis. And then our, our, our rector, junior seminary, junior seminary, of the junior seminary, Mosana Haji, he was very Marian. And so, the imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis underlined the purity of Jesus Christ, which was coupled with his obedience to God the Father. And it was made clear to us that we must, if we want to become those that mediator, God priest, we must hold on. If we want to resemble Christ, we must hold on to Mary's uh, virtues, including her obedience to God, her fear. That led me later on to when I became teaching Mariology in the summer residence of the Pope called Castel Gandolfo. I generated this doctrine that Jesus' radical obedience to the Father is a mentality he suckled from the breast of the woman who is famous for her fiat. I mean that by Mary. If Jesus were not obedient to the Father, woe betide us. He wouldn't have accepted the cross as bitter as the cross is. And if he didn't accept the cross, we would not, when we are doing stations on the cross, we would never say, we adore you, we glorify you, O Jesus, because by your holy cross you have redeemed the world. So this we are inculcated in us, in the junior seminary. After that, we did London GCE. General Certificate of Education, University of London. Those of us who passed, we are then sent to the senior seminary. It is from the senior seminary where we began doing philosophy that I was then sent to the Jesuits in, in Innsbruck, Austria. Then North Carolina. And my history changed through Karana. He took me, formed me. He preached my first mass, first holy mass. And uh, dwelt still on the priesthood. So only four, five, six months after that nation, I decided to join the Jesuits. And my African bishop who sent me as a seminarian protested that he did not send me to the Jesuits to be uh, ripped by the Jesuits. So conflict came up between Karana and my African bishop. 
they told him, according to Second Vatican Council, that's freedom of religion and also freedom of choice of what congregation you join. That it was child abuse to force me to join the Holy Ghost Fathers. My bishop was of the Holy Ghost Fathers. If I have made up my mind to join the Society of Jesus, the Jesuit, that my bishop should not hinder me from that. War broke out. So they wrote to my bishop, inviting him, and threatened they will never, never take up a seminarian again from them to form. There, I was in this conflict. I did not want to be a diocese and priest again. I, don't, I didn't want to be of the Holy Ghost Fathers. I wanted Jesus, who was my primary love, with all respect to the Holy Spirit, who without whom I would not have understood the doctrine of Jesus. But Jesus was for me the Alpha and Omega. So that's the conflict I had. And the resolution of that conflict between my African bishop who wanted me to join his own congregation, the Holy Ghost Father, and Karana, my teacher, who was for it, that my desire should be respected. That made me then, that made them, to, my bishop demanded that I should leave the Jesuits, even though I was ordained for the diocese. I should leave them. I had not been recruited. I was in their house doing my masters. I was 27 years old then. So they said I should leave Austria and transfer to West Germany. And that I should not live with the Jesuits in West Germany. I should live with the Franciscans. And that's how to know, to verify truly, if I have vocation to religious life. Since I didn't want to be anymore diocesan. That's how it came that I was with the Franciscans five years without being their member. I was neither member of the Jesuits nor the Franciscans, but I was living in their house and attending liturgy at the Benedictine Monastery. So after those five years in Münster, West Germany, North Rhine-Westphalen, I returned here, poised to found a new congregation that retained and complemented the Ignatian model. I was brought up by the sons of St. Ignatius of Loyola. But I, I, I am an African. We believe in adoring, worshiping God. The Jesuit spirituality was discernment of the spirit focused on the sacred heart of Jesus, which is being venerated. I was not satisfied with that. I want the adoration of God in the most holy sacrament. And that is why I was more consistent. I didn't want um, only the sacred heart of Jesus. It was for me, it was inferior grade to adoration of Jesus in the sacrament. And in the sacrament, because 
That is where I see we are adoring God the way God wants to be adored. How? God says he wants to be adored in spirit and truth. In which spirit? In the Holy Spirit. In which truth? In Jesus Christ. And there's no other place in this world where Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit are together in sacramental form, if not in the most holy sacrament, the blessed sacrament, where the Holy Spirit is invoked onto this bread and this wine, and where the truth, Jesus Christ, identifies this as himself. When he says, this is my body, this is my blood, immediately it happens. Because like as God, when he says, let there be light, immediately there is light. If he says, this is my body, so it is with immediacy. No interval of space, no interval of time. This is our belief. That this ha happens immediately makes us um, a genuflect after consecration. The divinization of this bread and wine. Because he who said it is God. He is the one who says, let there be light, and there's light immediately. So I was very fascinated, you know, with the Christology. And eventually, this congregation is Christocentric. It's congregation of Christ, Emmanuel, and not of the Holy Spirit, and not of, uh, of, of Jesus. So I'm neither Jesuit nor Holy Ghost Father. I am Emmanuelite. The Jesuits have Jesus, the Christ. Ourselves have Christ, the Emmanuel. We are adorers of the God who is with us. The Jesuits venerate the sacred heart of Jesus, which we do, but we go beyond that. Then, another difference between us and the Jesuits is also this, that their founder was born many centuries back, back, the beginning of the era of science. I am born 1950, the beginning of the era of technology. So I am born in the era of science and technology, that is of technoscience, all to the doing of the Holy Spirit. Who added technology to science? The same thing grounds my difference from Thomas Aquinas. I don't reason like him. I have other arguments. Because uh, he was in the metaphysical time of the Middle Ages, when science was being born, gradually. But he never saw technology. I'm a product of my own time. And so... In the apostolate, I am where Emmanuelites are different from the um, Dominicans, to whom uh, the children of uh, Saint Dominic, to whom Abba the Great and Thomas Aquinas belong, they were valid for their own time, and partly valid for our time. But there are things in our own time that we are not yet there in their time, so it's not their fault, but it's reality that there is something in our time that is a gift from God, like technology, but that the Spirit had not given to the world at that time. So nobody will expect 
the congregation founded in our own time to be the same as that of other times. Wonderful. So let's here we are. Let's now go to the physiognomy of the Emmanuelite congregation that is celebrating the forty. And the light is. I'm not hearing very well. Okay. Now let's go to the physiognomy of the Emmanuelite congregation that is celebrating the 40th anniversary of her foundation in Nigeria on the 30th day of this month of December 2023. So the history comprising origin and development of the CCE and the goal of her foundation, the founder, the spirit of the founder. Yes, it is a wonderful event. You know, in the church, the bishop is the prolongation of Christ, the shepherd. The founder is prolongation of Christ, the founder of the church. Whatever happened to Jesus and the church he founded, we happen, happen to those who have the vocation to prolong Jesus. And the church that uh, they are used as instrument to found. There'll be, there'll be progress. There'll be retrogression. There'll be victory. There'll be defeat. There'll be gain for God. There'll be loss. There will be protection. There will be betrayal. All this we have passed through. I will now hand over the microphone to my vicar. Because this is the part you have entered now. I indicated to you the physiognomy. One of the priests will um, uh, make a ride over the spirit of the founder. This you have now. The apostolate and so, but the, the development is my vicar. I like them to speak. If they don't speak everything, I will add. If they speak everything, my speaking is superfluous. Wonderful. Thank you Permit so much. Permit me to hand Father. the microphone. Thank you. That is the vicar. Wonderful. Yeah, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Welcome. Such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. I am Father Joseph Alozi. Father Joseph, such a pleasure. So let's dive into the physiognomy of the Emmanuelite congregation that is celebrating the 40th, the 40th anniversary, actually, of her foundation in Nigeria yes. on in a few days, on the 30th of December 2023. So the history, you know, the origin and development of the CCE and the goal of her foundation, the founder, the spirit of the founder, his spirituality and his charism, the members, the apostolate and the communitarian style of life. And fourth, the novelities brought into the church for the renewal and progress of the people of God, of the nations by the Emmanuelites as their proper DNA partly to their new intellectual apostolate of 
in techno-scientific Christian theology as instrument for the production of the material goods with which to extend to all peoples the material goods produced by Christian through his miracles for the well-being of the human individual in both mind, body and for the social compromising socio-cultural, socio-economic and socio-political welfare of the human collectiveness family, community, society, nation, people, and partly through the new liturgical rite of chanted adoration of God in the blessed sacrament. So let's start with the history. Okay, I would regard to the history of the congregation. The congregation was founded on 30th December 1983 by the priests who just finished speaking now, the founder, Reverend Father Professor John Okoro Ebulefu. He has described his identity beginning from his place of birth, his development, his history, and his formation. So it began with uh, a, an assembly of young boys, altar servers, so in a parish called St. Eugene Parish, and it was founded in his home village called Ohoro on the day I mentioned, 30th December 1983. So that's why today, uh, this year, we are celebrating the 40th anniversary from 1983 to 2023 is 40 years. So in the next few days, on 30th December this year, we will be celebrating 40th anniversary of the foundation of the Congregation of Christ the Mother. So from that early beginning, the founder was admitting young boys because his intention was to gather together young boys to catch them young and then to, you know, to show them the way of following Christ in an intimate way as priests and religious. So he began by admitting series of young boys. And then from there, when he went back to, uh, for his, assignment in Rome in 1989. So there was a sort of few years he didn't admit members. But from 1992, he continued to admit members each year. And since then, the congregation has been growing uh, numerically from, you know, moving on, growing from uh, one number to another. And then that's why the statistics has it that from that, uh, from the foundation of the congregation, we have 81 priests and three deacons. This is the statistics so far, who we are ordained under the congregation. 81 priests and three deacons currently. It's true, as the founder mentioned, there were some ups and downs. There were some members who left because they were unable to live the life proposed to them by the founder. So they decided to leave, and then some of them joined the home diocese, or some joined other dioceses elsewhere. And then that's why currently we can say that we have about uh, 30 uh, faithful priests who are with the congregation, approximately speaking, so who are joining to achieve the goal of the congregation, working to achieve the under the apostolate of the congregation with the spirituality of the congregation, under the charisma of the founder, which the next speaker will dwell on the physiognomy of the 
congregation. By that I mean the goal, the apostolate, the spirituality, the charisma of the founder. So, well, since then the congregation has been growing from strength to strength. Currently, we have uh, 31 senior seminarians under formation in two different uh, provincial seminaries. One in a city called Owere and the other one in a city called Umwahe. And then we have also our junior seminary where the young boys are formed. They pass through their high school period in the seminary, being formed and trained in view of becoming uh, Catholic priests and religious under the Emmanuelite congregation. Then we have also the uh, Emmanuelite novitiate where after the uh, stage of formation in the junior seminary, then there is a one-year period of postulancy, a period of discernment, after which they go to the novitiate for one year in order to descend deeply and then learn about the congregation, the founder, and the uh, spirituality of the congregation, the life of the congregation, the lifestyle of the congregation, before they will proceed for their formation in philosophical and theological studies. So currently, we have uh, uh, communities, three communities in Nigeria. The mother house where we are now, which uh, serves as the Korea, is the, the seat of government of the congregation, so to speak. And then from the mother house uh, comes uh, or springs up one, the junior seminary, which is also its own community, and then the novitiate community. As I mentioned, we are these young men, after their stage of postlands, to do one-year program before they proceed to the senior seminaries for their formation. But apart from the three communities in Nigeria, we have also a community in Rome, uh, headed by the founder, where also we have uh, priests who go for further studies. They live in a community with the founder for their uh, where they uh, from there they go for their studies. And then also our, two of our priests working in the Vatican in Sistine Chapel. They also live with the founder and then from there they undertake their assignment in the Vatican. Then we have also a community in Canada, the English-speaking part of Canada, in Toronto, where we have a parish, St. Thomas Aquinas Parish, uh, Toronto. So three of our priests are currently working with the Archdiocese of Toronto. One is the parish priest of the parish I mentioned, assisted by another of our priests, who is also, together, he doubles as the parochial vicar, as well as the priest in charge of the Igbo community in Toronto. And then we have also another of our priests who is a teacher in St. Augustine Seminary, Toronto, who lives in, a, in the Sarah House of Toronto, where uh, seminarians studying for philosophical studies are being formed. So as I mentioned, we have one community in Rome and then one community in Canada and three communities in Nigeria. Aside, the two other senior seminary communities our seminarians do go for their philosophical and theological studies. So we hope by God's grace to expand to many other continents and countries in order to uh, exercise our apostolate and then to practice the, the lifestyle of the congregation and then to bring forth the intention of the founder for founding this congregation, in the goal of which is canonizable sainthood and stardom. You know, as the founder will always say, that the intention is to have or produce saints 
canonizable saints so that anyone looking for saints and stars will know where to go and find them in great number where there are clusters of people who you know have it as the ambition to become saints and stars and that's the goal of the congregation that is wonderful father joseph so let me uh, dive a little bit more into your personal life so what made you become part of this congregation and what does it give you intellectually but also spiritually in general yes i joined the congregation at the age of 11 after my elementary school stage and then under the congregation i went for the high school in the diocesan seminary because by that time the uh, seminary of the congregation has not been founded I joined the congregation because I saw the founder and then I was inspired by his way of life. So I wanted to follow him, knowing fully well that since he's the founder and he has ushered the goal of the congregation, he has taught us what the congregation is all about. If I do live out according to the style of life of the congregation, I will, can be like him. And then being like him, I can also imitate Jesus, whom himself is looking up to. So I was inspired by his life and that's why I decided to follow him and then I joined the congregation. And I have benefited from the congregation in many ways. Benefited from his uh, intellectual uh, prowess and then benefited also from his spirituality, which is the spirituality of the congregation as well as the charism of the founder, which is also our own charism, the charism of the congregation of Christ Emmanuel. So it has been very enriching. I have been a member uh, for the past uh, going to 30 years now. Next year will be 30 years. February next year, a few months time, will be 30 years of my uh, membership in the congregation because I joined uh, on February 1994. So next year, February, will be 30 years I have been a member of this congregation. So it has been very fruitful and nourishing for me so far, being part of this congregation. So I will now hand you over to the next speaker, Father Davis, who will then answer the further questions you have for us. Thank you. Thank you so much, Father Joseph. Such a blessing. <laughs> Wonderful. And your name is? Yeah, good afternoon. This is Father Davis Abakuru. Father Davis, one member of the Congregation of Christ Emmanuel. Father Davis Abakuru. Father Davis Abakuru, such a pleasure. So please continue with this wonderful conversation that about specifically about the congregation and uh, the novelties brought in the church, I guess, for the renewal and progress of the people. Okay, of thank you so much. Thank you so much. In this part of the discussion, we'll talk about the nature of the congregation, the charism, the spirit of the founder, the spirituality of the Manalites, the goal, and the apostolate. But one thing I want to remark is that, as we are called, as we are called the spirit of the founder is as well as we, the members who are following him, his spirit is our spirit. 
So we don't have two spirits. His goal is our goal. So we share in the same. The first part is the nature of the congregation, and it is very clear. It is the clerical institutes of consecrated life, not of brothers, consecrated love priests, clerical institutes, religious clerical institutes. So you can have different types, those who are only for brothers or the sister, but this is for priests who are religious. That's the nature of the congregation. And going to the charism, first thing we have to know is that it is a gift from charism, a gift given to God, given to, given to us by God to carry out this mission. And properly is to prolong Christ the Emmanuel as the Holy One. And not just only the Holy One alone, but the all-embracing Savior. And in this spirit of the charism of the founder, we go on to spiritually and materially prolong Christ. In the spiritual dimension, we talk of resembling him, going with Christ closely. As the founder will say, not just adhering to him, but imitating him, going a deeper step into the life of Christ. That's the spiritual part. And in the material dimension, we talk about amplifying and multiplying the salvific work of Christ as a man of light in the world, in different dimensions. And the spirit of the founder, as he has mentioned earlier on when he was little, the love for Christ, the, the passion for Christ that he saw in the little host, that they told the catechist told him, that passion still carried him, which made him to love God above every other thing. So you can say the spirit of the founder is loving God above every other thing. And thereupon, uplifting human beings. All uplifting them, helping them to desist from evil. Resisting the devil. Insisting on the truth, which is Christ. Persisting in goodness. And assisting God as his babysitters of his children. That is the spirit of the founder and of the Manalites the different ways we can amplify and multiply God in the world. And our spirituality has a tripartite dimension, which first, on the one hand, talk about the asceticism. On the other hand, we call the life of prayer, which underlines incessant life of prayer, continuous. And the third one, the, the mysticism. The first one, the asceticism, you talk about the self-detachment the self-distancing of the human spirits from the evil spirits, detachment. The second one, the life of prayer, interesting life, which links both the ascetical life and the mystical dimension. While the ascetical life detaches one from the evil spirit, the mystical dimension draws us, the attachment, the self-attachment of the human spirit to the Holy Spirit who conforms us to the will of the Father. And in this life of prayer, is underlined that every Emmanuelite must find time to develop personal rapport with God, and thereupon with the mother of God, which we call Madonna de Manuel, the mother of the Emmanuelites. So of which she is the mother of every one of us, and special devotion is given to that. And in that regard as well, this life of interesting prayer makes us share the prayers, the liturgy of the hours in communion, even the night prayers in communion, the adoration in communion, 
as a community who prays together, stays together. It solidifies our spirituality and our union with God and with our fellow human beings. That we can say is the spirit of the congregation and of the founder. Going beyond that, we cannot talk about the goal of the congregation. Just as Father Joseph spoke, it is simply, he has the intention, as he said, from the purity to have a congregation where those who are inside are goal-oriented towards holiness of life. Not just that alone, but canonizable sainthood. Because one can be holy but not canonized. A particular type is a life that we recognize by the church. And in this goal, which led him to propose life of purity, life of holiness, and he made it clear in different ways that we can attain this. Purity of mind, purity of heart, purity of hands. You don't think evil, you don't harbor evil, you don't do evil. And when evil is out of your life, goodness and grace is what remains, which will begin to flourish. And in this, you can now understand why the love for Christ above all is important. Which now goes on to the next step, what helps us to achieve this goal? Our nature as religious priests. And by being religious priests, we have to take public vows. And in our congregation, the church has the traditional three vows of obedience, poverty, and chastity. And we ourselves, we went a step further and added honesty and selflessness. And in this virtue of this vow of honesty and selflessness, which is particular to us, I'll speak about them. Let me not go into the other traditional three. The honesty makes one, it's a self-obligation of one, fidelity to the truth. And that truth is Christ, whose yes is yes, of which every man light is born to be a truth teller. And thereupon, you see other, other virtues that stem from this virtue of honesty, this of honesty. You see the coherence, you see the authenticity, the sincerity, the integrity, the straightforwardness, the limpidity, the transparency, which should be a characteristic of every Manalite by the virtue of his vow of honesty. And the vow of selflessness, we take that from his own motto of his priestly life which is, I'm living for others. The renunciation of self for the good of others. Living selflessly, like a light that burns out, that shines for others. Not shining for itself, that shines for others. These two are the two key added vows that we take to make this goal that we are looking for. In this corrupt world of today, a light should shine. A light must shine to dispel the darkness of sin and confusion in the world today. Then going next to the communitarian life, as the last figure just said, where you come and find these stars in common, saints and stars in common, which implies there should be a constellation of saints and stars, which as well forms our communitarian style of life, not living alone, but living together, sharing the same goal together, the same mentality, the same ideology, and not being adulterated by living alone. So the communitarian style of life of the Manalites 
is where two members who live together find the third party as the Holy Spirit, who is the third member as a symbol of the life of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So each Emmanuelite who sees the brother must see the Holy Spirit among them to complete them the life of the Trinity, which means that communitarian life should be a holy life, a life that enriches and enables one to fully achieve the goal and the mission of the congregation. Then going next to the apostolate of the congregation, which the founder must have highlighted earlier on, the theological research, which is proper to us. It is not just all about the spiritual good, the intellectual good, but as well to produce something good for the world. And this has gone into the core apostolate of the Manalites, the theological research into the life of Christ to produce material goods like food, like medicine for the world. And this is in progress. There's a, a, an, an ongoing research on this deeply, which every man like is into, so that we are not just preachers of the world, but as well we do, we produce something that will be beneficial for everyone in the world who encounters us. That is wonderful, uh, Father David. Such a blessing to have you here, and uh, I can tell how how blessed you are and how grateful you are of being part of this wonderful congregation. It's truly wonderful. Thank you so much. It's a blessing to be a member of this congregation. And as I tell people, I think it's a, it's a blessing to be a member. And I invite others to please come and join. But there will be a treasure to the world and to the church at large. I invite Father John again, our founder, to come to the stage. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Father David. Hello. Such a blessing, Hello. Pulu. And you are sent from above to interview us. And we are we are happy to know you. But we are going beyond that to invite you in the new year to visit us in person. And uh, stay with us about a week. And uh, have a personal experience with our community. We invite you to Rome. We invite you to Nigeria. Already in Canada, in the name of our community there, they are following this online interview. Manalize everywhere are following it. In the name of those in Canada, in the English-speaking Canada in Toronto, um, uh, on, on my behalf as the founder, I want to let you know you are highly welcome. You are the first of it's time to give us this um, uh, grace, gift of wanting to make the world know about us. God bless you and multiply his blessings on you this Christmas season. We expect you in Nigeria next year. We expect you also in Rome. 
Alright. That will be a, that Thank will you. be such a blessing and I can tell you, uh, Father Ekpulu, it is truly a honor to have conversed with you and with your uh, colleagues and uh, thank you so much for being truly a gift to myself and really to the world to make this world more meaningful and more peaceful and more loving um, yeah truly really bless you and uh, hopefully I can make it I would love to join you in Rome and Nigeria it will be truly a blessing yeah I can't Wanda. wait to actually meet you all in person Wanda. thank you so much thank you so, so the much Trinity. God, Father, Son, we are glad, blessing yeah, you. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Thank you so you. much. Blessings. Bye. Father Ekpulu, Bye. Father Davies, and Father Joseph. Thank you so much. Blessings. Yeah. Bye. Bye. That's why knowledge matters. Make your life a masterpiece. Visit now programs.d-ykm.com